God. <coughs> in Exodus chapter 33, and we thank Minister Will for the reading of the scriptures today. Amen. 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 Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who will send, who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and I may find grace in your sight and consider this nation, that this nation is your people. And, and he said, my presence will go with you. Say, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses speaking, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If your presence does not go up from here with us, do not lead us from this place. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We want to be like the tribe of Issachar. We want to be aware of the times so that we will know what to do. One of the things that I'm becoming aware of is that we are surrounded with, by a number of new startup churches that are right in this area within walking distance. And uh, that was something I was not aware of. And uh, one of our responsibilities in order to be effective where God has placed us at this time is to be aware of our, our neighbors and ways that we might be able to collaborate, ways that we might be able to uh, participate in joint efforts, but also to be aware of what God is saying in terms of uh, what his move for us should be. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you want to uh, turn a mild-mannered person into a raging bull, here are a few suggestions. Make a scratch on that person's car. <laughs> Make sure it's a new car. I don't think they'll be speaking in tongues, but they will be saying a few things. Fail to get his or her check, her, her checkout order right at Chick-fil-A. And you get home and your nuggets ain't in the bag. <laughs> Mess up a brother's hairline at the barbershop. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of us are soon not to have to worry about 
getting that hairline right. I'm, I'm right on the precipice. Yeah. Um, wreck a $250 hair weave job. That's what it costs. Yeah. I know about those things. Steal somebody's money in the name of Jesus. Call a woman out of her name. Uh, a woman asks you, am I too heavy? Do I need? And you say, you're fat. Those fighting words, raging bull words. Pay someone less than you promised them. Put your hand on somebody else's child. Back in the day, that didn't, that was irrelevant. I got it from all angles. <laughs> Give a person a title and then take it from them. Oh, God. Fail to mention a person's name when you're giving out recognition or compliments. Tell somebody's business on Twitter or Facebook. Break up with somebody after you've given them an expensive gift. Now, these suggestions that I've just made, by no means is my intent to give anybody any ideas. Sister said, I was about to break his windows out before you called. That's not what this is about. What I hope you notice is the kinds of things that tend to matter most to people. We are a nation that sweats the small things. We have 40 and 50-year-old women who still are struggling with their parents. All somebody has to say is you don't look right in that. Your day is wrecked. You done. All your fasting and praying for the last 40 days just went right out the window. God forbid if you buy something new and nobody notices. Don't let somebody plan something and exclude you. Oh, God, that's enough to leave church for. We are a nation and a church that gets bent out of shape by the least little things. It doesn't take much for us to be offended. Since our priorities tend to be on the temporal and shallow things, it follows that our spiritual responsibility and relationship with God suffers. When we intentionally or unintentionally place temporal experiences above eternal encounters, we will always settle for something less than God's best. 
Throughout the Bible, we find examples of those who settle for temple experiences rather than eternal encounters. And I want you to know that as we're going to go through this message, that there's a difference between an experience with God and an encounter with him. Every time you have your 15-second devotions in the morning, that's an experience with God. You did open up your Bible. You did speed read it, and you did check that off as a thing that a Christian's supposed to do, but you did not have an encounter with God. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3. He said, if anybody had a reason to be confident in the flesh, he said, I had everything that anybody could have ever wanted to feel important, to have a level of assurance that somehow God was impressed with me, Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, multilingual, baptized on all of these things. And he said, what I discovered is that all of these things that I had were the very things that were keeping me from what I really needed the most. I needed Jesus. And he said, when, when I put the temporal experiences in the right perspective, then I understood after I had an encounter with Jesus, that all of the things that I thought I needed and had were dung, waste, something to be flushed down the toilet. Paul said the best that I could actually experience from this life's perspective, it's like what Jesus said, what shall it profit us if you gain everything that this world can offer you, but you lose your soul? And sometimes the loss of our soul is not necessarily that we forfeit heaven because we know Jesus, but we fail to feed our soul because we are satisfied with the fast food of spiritual experiences rather than the intimacy of an encounter with God. I'm convinced that most of the conflict and the failure in our lives as Christians is due to our settling for less when it comes to encountering God personally. We say we want intimacy with God, but we devote our time and talent to the pursuit of, of, of the temporal. We don't give God our time. We can't figure out how we're going to fit church in. We can't make time for reading our Bibles. And the interesting thing is that there are, there are those times when, when God actually breaks through. And we experience that encounter. And we, we are so altered from the inside out that, that we, are, we, 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 are, we are determined to make this our, 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 our routine only to find that the enemy of our soul has successfully again crowded our schedule with sweating the small stuff. You will never be strong. You will never walk in spiritual victory. You will never have the significance that you're searching for until you learn how to encounter God for yourself. I believe that there are Christians who are going to go to heaven who have never had an intimate encounter with God, that you said yes and that you do. You're not living in any blatant and overt sin, but you don't know what it means to have a face-to-face -face encounter with God.
One of the things that happened uh, during our last Ignite uh, outreach, and I remember, and I, this is off the, off the script here, uh, Brandon was supposed to come and he, uh, to take the pictures, and he said, I got to get somebody to help me. It seemed like I'm the only one. And I said, Brandon, you did you give your word? Yep, I'm going to go. So he gets here, and then uh, he's supposed to be back home. This thing's supposed to be over about time, 9 o'clock, whatever. Now it's into 10 o'clock. And he gets home, and he looks like he's been resting all week. I said, why do you look so, re you know, you look revived and refreshed. He said, Dad, I don't understand, but I ended up on the floor. I don't know how I got there, how long I was there. He said, but from the time I was on the floor until I got up, I cried. And God said, through that experience with Brandon, all of his life, he's been a part of our religious, our walk with God. It's been our walk with God. But on that night, Brandon encountered God. Once someone encounters God, you don't have to worry about them no more. They're good. They're good. Because nothing else will substitute. Now, as we travel back in time, Pastor Moses has finally reached the place after 40 years of leading stiff-necked, rebellious, cantankerous, can't get it together. God, what did you do for me lately? They're finally on the brink of entering into the promised land. And the promise that, April, that, that uh, Moses is about to experience was made over 500 years prior to what is recorded in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 33. The Lord, then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I have sworn to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give you, I will give it. Say, I will give it. Now, what should have been a day of celebration for the nation that Moses had led and for him in his weary journey of trying to shepherd a difficult flock, it became a day of mourning. Listen at verse 2. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Petrazites, and the Hivites, and the Jezebites. Praise God. Come up to the, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not, here it is, for I will not go up with, with will not go up in the midst, in your midst, I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. You are a stiff-necked people. Now, here's what's interesting. This is the reason for celebration. The promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now being realized. They're on the brink of entering the promised land. God said, I am going to send my warring angel. He didn't say a legion of angels, one angel. That's all I need. And he is going to go before you and he is going to drive out all of the ites out of the land. 
And then he says, I am going to give you the land because of the promise that I made. And he says, now go. But understand as you are going, you are going alone. I will not be in the midst of you. And the Bible says that when the people heard that, I don't know if the people were upset because God said, if I come, I'm going to consume you. <laughs> or they were really bothered by the fact that the Lord was saying, I will give you everything that you've always you dreamt about it. That house, that, that, that car, that wife, that husband, every material blessing, the land flowing with me, I'm going to give you everything, but you won't have me. Go. You already have the victory. I can see some of us now. What? <laughs> yeah. All I got to do is go. I can make it on my own. But here we find the people distraught. And I hear Moses saying in verse 15, then Moses said, if you do not personally go with us, don't Make us leave this place. I don't want to take another step, God. If you aren't leading me, I don't want anything from your hand. If it means I'll be separated from your heart. I'm not going to settle for anything else. For relationships. For titles. For gifts. Recognition. I don't even care if I'm excluded. I don't care if you, whatever. I want God. And without him, I want you to understand something. I've come to learn that if people want God like that, even when you disagree, It'll be all right because those kinds of people want to hear from God. And the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ, we can't, we got to walk in the light. You can't experience the, the presence of God in an encounter if you're not walking right. And so when Moses talks about God personally going with him and the people He's not only talking about experiencing God. God is here right now in this church. Some of you, well, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> Seemed like church just like, it was just like this last week. Back is a little chillier in here this, today. Moses is talking about not just a general sense of the presence of God, but having an encounter with God. You can sit next to a person in church for five straight weeks and never have an encounter with them. But they're in your presence. God's presence can be described, but never, full, never totally defined. Faith is not defined in the Bible. It's described. You can't define it. You just can't. You see a lot of examples of it. And we try to define it, and, but really, when you, 
the theological terms are more described by word pictures. And you'll see that over and over again in the Bible. Let's, 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 so God's presence can be described, but never totally, fully defined. You can't do it. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, the Bible says that Adam and his wife hid themselves uh, uh, in, in, in the garden uh, from the Lord. And it says they hid themselves from the presence of God. Sin will make you think you can actually hide. From God. You know how we used to get under the covers when we thought the boogeyman, we used to get, get under the covers, and, and then somehow the boogeyman ain't going to see you. No, no, unless there's a really, you're going to get it. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible, the God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach that the people need to repent, and if they don't, judgment is going to come. And Jonah being a racist, and Jonah being bigoted, and refusing to go to the Ninevites, who were Assyrian, and he had known the prophecy of Jeremiah, what the Assyrians were going to do to the Jews. So he basically said, if serving you means reaching them, I would rather be wrong than right. And so the Bible says that he boarded a ship and attempted, this is a preacher who'd been trained in the word of God, and the Bible says that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarsus. I like what uh, Psalm 16, verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy, and your right, at your right hand there is pleasure forevermore. Now, it's interesting the kind of emotions you can experience in the presence of God. The Bible says that Adam and Eve fled. They were afraid. They were afraid in God's presence. Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord in disobedience. He was angry. He was ticked off at God. You can be angry in the presence of God. But when you are encountering God in his presence, there is joy and pleasure. The Bible says joy and pleasure forevermore. Something happens when you enter into an encounter with God. You can be having a bad day. Well, let, let me run on. The Hebrew word for presence is paim, paim. And it, it's rendered in our English text. Sometimes when you're reading, it says face. The Bible says that Abraham fell on his paim. He fell on his face. It also is translated countenance. The Bible said of Cain, God speaking after his Offering was rejected. He says, why is your face, why is your countenance, why is your pain downtrodden? Why are you upset, Cain? Sometimes when we talk about people's attitude, it has nothing to do with what they said. It's that face. It's that mug. Oh, God, something wrong with you, ain't it? How you know? What do you mean, how I know? You've informed me by your face, by your pain. Paim, when referencing God, does not speak of physical, a God who is visible, tangible, and physical. The scripture says that God is spirit, and they that worship him must what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. But there are times when the Bible says that the arms of the Lord are not short that they can't deliver. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. And so sometimes anthropomorphically, God is spoken of in human terms. And the reason that is, again, Theological truth, God is spirit, and they that worship him in spirit and truth. But in order for us to understand what that means, how the strength of the Lord is at work, he says he has arms, he has eyes, he has ears to hear us. We can get that, right? 
So the face of God is not necessarily a human face, but the Bible says that we were created in the likeness and the image of God. So when I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, somehow God is present. Somebody say amen. All the Bible does not refer to God as having human uh, features. We talked about it in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. The Bible says something about Jesus, who was God before taking on human form. The Bible said he existed in the form of God, but did not regard becoming equal with God, something that he had to obtain, but he took on human form. Listen to what 1 John says. That which was from the beginning, that is before time and eternity passed, he uses the word beginning as if he's referring to some chronological historical time, but he's no, he's talking about before there was a clock, (laughs) there was Jesus which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. So he's saying that this invisible God who is spirit took on the flesh in the person of his son. And when Jesus showed up, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten son. And so when we looked at Jesus, we were looking at God because he took on human form. And because Jesus, who was God, took on human form, the Bible says, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses, with our limitations, but Jesus, the God-man, was tempted in all points like as we are, but without sin. The presence of God can be experienced on three different levels. Moses said, when you go, when we go from here, we, I don't care about no new house. What I care about a new car, a better job, or what I care about, Lord, if, if you don't go with me. So the question is, how do we get God to go with us? You know, he feels like God is here with us when we're at church, but then when you get home and deal with that husband, when you get home and deal with those, those kids, when you, when you go to work and deal with babies, when, when you get out of here, how do you take God home with you? The presence of God can be experienced and encountered, I'll I'll say experienced on three levels, not encountered on three levels. The Bible clearly teaches that the presence of God can be experienced externally. In Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, David said, where can I go from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed up in hell, you even there. He said, if I turn the lights out and put the locks on the door, drive over to Jersey, drive up to New York, I know I'm I'm under the blankets, under the covers, and I blacked out my phone. If I go all those places, he said, before I get there, you're already there. And when I leave, you meet me where I'm going because you're on me present. You're everywhere at the same time. But that's not the same thing as saying that God is in everything, because he is not in everything. He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. So God can be experienced. His presence, his face can be experienced externally. Wherever you go, well, come and go to church with me. No, you are the church wherever you go. And people know more about what the church is like based on what you say about it. Somebody say amen. Let's move on. The presence of God can also be experienced, say, internally. When Moses talked about the Lord's presence, and he's talking about in the Old Testament, what would happen is you would get anointed for a service. Bible talks about this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And Samuel, verse 3 said, and he poured the oil onto David, anointing him for a special service. 
And the Bible says, and the spirit of God came upon David from that day forth, empowering him to serve, giving him the authority and the power to do. And so in the Old Testament, you would have the Holy Spirit would come upon, but he didn't always remain. That's why David prayed in Psalm 55, in Psalm 51, he said, do not take your spirit from me. Why would David say, take your spirit from me? Because the spirit didn't indwell permanently. The Bible says that Samson got up as in times past when he was in the bed with, 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 with uh, Delilah and she'd cut his hair and he jumped up to fight the Philistines. He, the Bible said, but he did not know that the spirit had departed from him. So in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saying the spirit could come and he could leave. He would fill you and then you would be unfilled. But in the New Testament, the Bible says, Jesus says, behold, I'm going to send you a comforter, a paracletos. Not only will he be with you, he will be in you. And you you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You are in God's envelope, and it's mailed to him, and it can't be opened by anybody but him. We have been baptized so the Christian can be filled. The Spirit of God can control us temporarily, momentarily, as we are yielding and surrender, but we also are permanently indwelled. The moment that you believe the presence of God, the Bible says you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He never takes his Spirit from us, but we don't always act like the Spirit of God is in us. The presence of God is in us. Somebody say amen. amen. So we can experience the presence of God externally. He's everywhere at the same time. We also experience him because pres- internally because he lives in us, but you can also experience the presence of God by an encounter with God. God says in verse, Moses says, Lord, if, you don't, if your presence doesn't go before us, don't let us go. You see that? Now go back, go back with me. Look at verse 15. So the Lord said, verse 17, to Moses, right? He said, I will also do this thing that you have spoken well, you have found what? Grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I know you, okay? God knows you too. And he said, please, he says, all right, you answered my prayer. You will go your presence internally to lead and to direct and instruct us will go with us. You answered that prayer. Because I want something else. He said, show me. Your glory. (laughs) The presence and the glory of God are not the same. You can experience the presence of God without encountering the glory of God. But you cannot encounter the glory of God without having the presence of God. When we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about physical manifestations of his presence. Whenever Moses would enter into the temple, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the Bible says that a cloud would come over. When he would enter up into the mountain of Sinai and he would be hearing from God, the Bible says that the face of Moses would change because the glow, the brightness of God. So the glory of God has to do with the brightness of God, the cloud of God. Remember the fire of God that led them by night and the cloud that led the children of Israel by day? Those are all manifestations of the glory of God. When they built the temple of Solomon, they got ready to enter into the temple. 
The Bible says that the brightness of glory, the Shekinah, that's the word glory, the Shekinah of God shines and the smoke filled the temple. And when the Levites and the priests tried to get in, the spirit of God, the presence of God, when they encountered the presence, it knocked them on the ground. They couldn't enter in. They couldn't enter in. The presence was there, but when the glory showed up, they couldn't move. They were slain in the spirit. But whenever you hear about being slain in the spirit, it ain't ever going this. It's always front. They were on their faces. So I, all, all this stuff that we see going on in church, I don't know what that is, but I know biblical slain is face first. The, the, the glory of God was on display when Elijah was fleeing from Jezebel. And the Lord said, go to Mount Horeb. I, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to have, I, you didn't experience me. And I thought you encountered me when I, when I when for, for, for all of those days it didn't rain. For three years it didn't rain. But that was an experience. But, and, and I fed you through the ravens and I fed you through the widow of Zarephath. I, I thought that was an encounter, but obviously you don't know what it means to encounter me. So let's go and have a conference. And the Bible says that Elijah ended up at Mount Horeb. And the Lord said, come. Come and see my majestic. Come to the, come to the cleft of the mountain. And so he's looking out. And the Bible says that God decided to display his glory. There was an earthquake. I want you to know, today I was looking out the window. I kept hearing all these birds. I mean, thousands. I said, this, this, this is creepy. So I opened up the shades, and it was thousands of birds. And they were confused. They would fly one way, and then they would fly another way. And then they would, like, fly almost into each other. I want you to know that God is, there's a shaking going on. God is upset. He's trying to get our attention. And so when the earthquake occurs, Elijah said, uh-oh, that's God. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And then God caused a great wind to come, and, and he said, uh-oh, that must be God, because God shakes up and makes, makes things uneasy. And, 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 but the, God wasn't in the wind. Then God caused a great fire. And God wasn't in the fire. But the Shekinah showed up in a quiet and still, sometimes we're looking for a fire. You're looking for some earthquake. God, if you would just part the Red Sea, turn the moon into blood, if you would just let me levitate a little bit. No, he ain't levitating for you. You've got this quiet and sweet word as a sound. That's what we need to hear. And every time I open up this book and I hear from God, this is the glory of God on display, shining from the scriptures into my heart. You cannot have the glory of God without the presence of God. Every time you open up this book, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone down to the Philadelphia International Airport, and they sent you after a loved one. You haven't seen them for years, and you may not even really know how they look. But they tell you when they land, you're going to have to go on inside, and this is what they got on. So you go in, and you know the place is packed wall to wall. But because the person may be elderly, you know that if they, they get confused easily, and so you got to find them. They don't have a designated place, but you're told where they're getting off the plane. So you're heading to the plane, and you're looking for them, and they're looking for you, and then you see them through the crowd, and you begin. Here's what happens. When I deliberately obey the word, go find your aunt at the airport. And, and I, de and I uh, delight in the praise of, of God. 
when I start, when I, so I'm looking for my, my relative. I see her. She doesn't see me. So I'm going to begin to call her name. That's praise. I'm delighting in praise. I'm calling her name. But, but that's still, she's in your presence. She's in the, in the radius. You can see her. She can see you. But that ain't, that, that, that's not encountering God. That's not, that's not a full experience of worship. When worship occurs, when you encounter God's presence on the level of experience of glory, you done push past the crowd. You done prayed and called her name. And then finally she sees you. You see her. And you run into each other. And you embrace. That's what experience. It's an embrace with God on a personal level. That's what it is to worship God. That's what it is to encounter him. It's pushing past all of the noise, all of the frustration, all of the fears, all I see him. I want to apprehend him just as I have been apprehended. If I could just touch him, if I could just get to him of his garment, if I could just get to his presence. The Bible says when we get into his presence, that's what Jesus said. If you let me in, I'll commune. Commune is an embrace. God's hugging you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you welcomed me here because I dwell in the presence of the saints. I feel most comfortable when you're praising me. But sometimes you got to praise through your pain. You got to praise through your sin. You got to have a sacrifice of praise because he's in the room. He's here today. You may not see him, but he's in this room. But if you keep on calling him, if you get a little desperate, if you make it your heart desire, I'm not just comfortable with your presence. Oh, God, show me. Show me today. I want your embrace. I saw him hug her, and you got a hug from him. But I, 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 I want to feel your embrace. Oh. Worship is kissing the hand of God. But it's also having God hug you and kiss you right back. How many want to be hugged by God? How many want to be face to face with him? How many of you want to experience the Father's love on an intimate level? Bless you, Lord. The people, the presence is rebuilt. The true seekers. Why they shout? Why they all happy? I can't understand. When you get to the football game and you done paid $300 for your ticket and everybody's standing up and you can't see in front of them, guess what you're going to do? You paid your money because you're there to see the player. It's one thing to see the player running from on the field while you're in the 300 section. But when you can get down on the field... That's what the glory of God, when you encounter it, you're on the field with the Lord. Yes. Now watch this. Take your seat. Take your seat. We're not done. We're almost done. The presence is revealed for all true seekers. When you get a chance, we're going to stop with this. Verses 7 and 8, the Bible says that the people when God said that he would not go before them, they were disappointed. Read that. They were disappointed. Uh, but they weren't desperate to be with him in the same way that Moses was. We must desire to worship God 
So what they did, they stayed in their tents hoping that God would stop being mad. The Bible says that Moses built a tent outside, outside, of, the, outside of the camp. And so what Moses did, unlike them, they were waiting for God not to be angry, but Moses became a God chaser. Moses became a God chaser. The prophet Moses pursued the glory of God. He was a God chaser. Paul says, when you get a chance, and here's how he did it. Here's how he did it. Moses, when you get a chance, go through the scripture. He separated himself regularly. He took the tent away from the camp. So he sep- sometimes you have to separate from everybody. Make a date with God. The Bible says that Jesus slipped away and they couldn't find him. He was on a date with God. So he separated himself. And then Moses sought the Lord sincerely. All who sought the Lord were welcome. In other words, when he got the tent, anybody could come, but only Moses went. Him and Joshua. Now, here's what I love about Joshua. The Bible says when Moses went in, the the glory of God, the, the cloud came over the tent, right? And then when Moses went back home, he said that Joshua never left the tent. He slept. He just in case God showed up again. He would not leave the place. Moses sacrificed whatever it took to experience the presence of God. He traveled a great distance outside of the camp. I'm going to Cancun. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to... What will you pay to get to God? Where is God scheduled in your vacation? Moses sacrificed to get into the presence for an encounter with God. Moses stayed before the Lord until the glory appeared. The cloud appeared, and then Moses was able to live. So sometimes the reason why we can't encounter God, you in too much of a hurry. We were in there praying this morning, and uh, we were supposed to be in the sanctuary by 10 o'clock, but Sister Shanta got to praying. She got to calling on God and really pouring out her heart in intercession. Sometimes you can't rush God. You can be late and still on time when you're in the God's timetable. He waited. He stayed there. Sometimes we just need to stay on our face until God, like, like Jacob said, Lord, until you bless me, I want to encounter you. I don't want to leave this experience. I ain't leaving the church the same way I came. I've been doing this every Sunday, but I want to go home having an encounter with you. I want to embrace you, Lord. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on until you bless me. I want to challenge every one of you here. If you at this church, and you can't encounter the Lord, God here. You need to be at another church. Oh, they got good word there. And all that pastor. You want it more. The word is enough. But the word will drive you into the face of God. Don't you dare stand in the way of somebody encountering God because of your sour face, because of your bad spirit. Moses stopped worrying about the other people. He constantly watched to see when the cloud was there. Sometimes we're so busy looking around. Who's here, man? I wonder how I look today. I wonder if my dress and my hair, my... Who cares? Because worship is not about them. It's really about him. Sometimes you you prepared to get ugly. God ain't prepared to make you beautiful. I want you to know that every time that Moses encountered 
the glory of God, that his countenance changed. I know you thought it was Lady Clara. I know you thought it was your time in the weight room. I know you thought it was your strict diet. But no, if you get into the presence of the Lord through the word of God, which is the mirror of God, his mirror will shine on you and it will reflect his radiance. It will reflect his glory. And guess what? You will be beautiful because the outward man will perish, but the inward man Let me stop with this. Moses submitted to the leading of the Lord. He remained in the presence of the Lord until the Lord released him. He submitted. I remember the story of Saul. Stand with me. Saul was jealous of David and he was determined by whatever means necessary that David was going to die. And so he sent his troops after David, and every time they tried to find David, they failed. And so the Bible says that Saul himself went to seek David with his soldiers, and he came into the camp of the prophets. And when he stepped into the camp where the presence of God had been showing up, when people had, where people had been encountering God, the Bible says that Saul prophesied. The brother started taking his clothes off. He, the scripture said he was butt naked. He went to, to, to demonstrate how much control he had and how much thought. But I want you to understand this about, here's why some, some of us won't ever just release and let God have his way. We're afraid of how we're going to look. Let me just tell you, God is not a gentleman. He will make your makeup run all over the place. He will make you run and scream and, and, and act in ways that in your flesh, in yourself, on your own, you would have never acted that way. Yes. But I wonder today, are you tired of settling for church? Settling for another Bible verse? Settling for how people think about you? Are, are, you, are you tired of the routine? Are, are you prepared like Moses said, Lord, if you don't, I got it now. You answered that prayer, but here's something else. Give me an opportunity. I want to talk about what that is next time. Maybe we'll go on, but there's some more. See, when you experience the presence of God, the scripture says, he said, if you don't go before us, how will they know that we belong to you? What distinguishes you is not the bass in your voice, not the, your, your suit and your tie. It's because the presence of God is on you. He gives you favor. I want power. I, I don't care how, if I get every word, I want, I want some power and authority so when I speak, you hear God. Stop settling. Tell somebody, stop settling. Let's pray. Father, thank you for.